Um, I, I, I don't have, this won't be up on your screen for you, but if you're able to stand, would you stand? Uh, this is a short verse, it's a short stand. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. We stand for the reading of the word just to try to acknowledge the fact that we're in God's presence. This is what he has to say to us. It's more important than anything I'm gonna say. And here's what Hebrews 10, 24 says. And let us consider how we may spur one another, another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, or some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Father, uh, I'm, I'm so thankful for my friends and my family here in this room. It is a blessing, God, to be a part of what you're doing in the lives of these folks. And, uh, and, and uh, God, I am so uh, benefited by their presence and by their pursuit of you. I pray, Jesus, that your word would be so clear tonight uh, and that, that it would help us to step into the things uh, that you have for us and to walk in the freedom uh, that you purchased for us. It is for freedom's sake that we've been set free. So doggone it, Lord, help us to walk in freedom tonight. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, you can be seated. All right, so let me just bring everybody up to speed. We have been in a series called Flourish. And what we're looking at is this idea that God has designed life in such a way. His heart, his desire for us is that we live a flourishing life. Like, that doesn't mean that everything is easy and there are hardships and difficulties, but like it talks about in the Psalms, it talks about in Jeremiah, it talks about Isaiah, we are like trees that are planted by water and that we're able to flourish whether it's in season or out of season, that, that we're able to somehow experience joy even in hardship. Like James talks about, uh, the first, first chapter of James, that we consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds. Like, that's crazy talk, unless... You have the presence of God in your life, and you can endure trials and difficulties in a way where it feels like I'm flourishing even though it's hard. And so, uh, so we've been talking about that, and we've been talking about how um, the, our spiritual aspect of our life is clearly the most important. It's the, it's the most important aspect of our life. However, it's not the only aspect of our life, that God has uh, given us other areas of our life that we're supposed to steward, that we're supposed to manage, that we're supposed to think about and invest in. And so we We've been talking about these as the, these five capitals. Capital is something I have that I can invest to get something else. So it's a, something I have. And we've talked about these five areas or five capitals, spiritual capital, relational capital, physical capital, intellectual capital, and financial capital. So if you have missed this series, I highly, highly, highly encourage you, go back two weeks and start with us and catch back up because this will make a whole lot more sense if you're able to do that. Today, we're going to talk about relational capital and how we grow in our relationships. So this is the kind of third on the list. So it's, I'm sorry, second on the list. So it's the second most important. Let's just do a little thought experiment, okay? How important are relationships to you? Maybe one way to relate and think about how important relationships are to us, think about your best moment of 2022, whatever it is. What is the highlight? You don't have to say it out loud, but what was the highlight of 2022? Chances are that in some way, it had something to do with other people. You were with your favorite person. You, something, something had like something, uh, something about being with someone else. It, it, it was like, man, this experience was enhanced by being other people. Now, I know some of you are introverts in the room, 
And you're like, no, that was like the worst part. Like my part, my favorite part is being by myself or whatever it is. But even then, God has wired us so that some of our best moments happen in relationships. Let's go the opposite direction. What was your worst moment of 2022? Your worst moment. My guess is that somehow relationships were important to you. Either it was a difficult moment in a relationship, someone that you love was hurt or going through something hard, or maybe it was in the, the midst of that hard thing, there was somebody who was there for you. But like the reality is like we're designed in a web of relationships. God's made us to be people uh, who, for whom relationships are important. But for all of their importance and how much relationships are important, uh, we often don't think about those relationships like something we should be investing in. The truth is, most of the time, we take relationships for granted. Let's just be honest. Like, most of the time, we take for granted the people who are around us, and we take for granted that relationships will just happen. But the reality is, relationships are somewhere, an area of our life that we're called to, like, really tend well to. Relational capital on what we're going to talk about tonight is all about the quantity and quality. So, quality of relationships as well as the quantity of relationships to a certain degree. What I mean by that is just because you have more people in your life doesn't mean you have the right people in your life, right? So, so not just because you have a lot of friends. We want to have, have quantity and quality. Does that make sense? Like, and so when we're talking about relational capital, we're talking about how do we grow in quantity and quality of our relationships. And it turns out that this is a really, really big deal to God that we think about this area of our life. Think about how does Jesus sum up the entire Old Testament? Love God, spiritual capital, right? And then love your neighbor as yourself. That's relational capital. How we relate to God and how we relate to each other is of the utmost importance. You can take, that's crazy to me. I don't, I don't have my big Bible here, but you can take the, this big chunk of your Bible and Jesus says that whole thing is about this, how you relate to people and how you relate to God. God has made us for relationships with other people. He has wired us as human beings. If we go all the way back to the beginning of our Bible, the first couple pages in Genesis chapter 2, God looks upon humanity and, try, and says, like, it's not good for a person to be alone. Here's what it says, Genesis 2.18. The Lord said, it's not good for a man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. Now, in this particular context, it's clear that we're talking about the, a particular kind of relationship between a man and a woman in covenanted marriage. That's the kind of relationship that, that God was talking about. But if we take a step back for that, one of the things we can clearly see is we were not meant to do life on our own. We were created to be in relationships with other people. That, like, we could have, it could have just been Adam chilling with, the, with all of the animals for all of eternity, Right? <laughs> But God's like, no, that's not good. Like, we, it, it's good that I would provide a person for him. And in that particular instance, it's the most intimate relationship we have, a marriage relationship between a man and a woman. It's the most intimate kind. But the truth is we all need relationships, whether they're married relationships or friendships or not. Now, can I just kind of sidestep the sermon for just a second? Here, I want you to hear this. If you are a single person in this room, I want you to hear something. Oftentimes in the church world, we can talk about marriage relationships as like, if you're not married, then you're missing out on real intimacy and friendship with people. And that's not true. 
the reality is that Jesus was a single man, unless you want to believe the Da Vinci Code. That's a whole other thing, right? <laughs> Jesus was a single man, and Jesus didn't suffer in his life for not having relationships. Jesus lived a full human life. So if you are a single person, I want you to hear today that you can live a full human experience as a single person. I want you to hear that. And that as a church family, we are so, so thankful for you being a part of our church family. And we want you to know that, that that's important here. And we want to support you and encourage you. We love married couples and we want to support you and encourage you too. But we just want you to know that you're not less than, okay? And for, for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, ignore what I'm saying right now because you're not a single person going, I always feel like I'm less than, right? So I want you to hear that. God has designed each and every one of us for deep, meaningful, soul-filling kind of relationships. It doesn't have to be romantic. It doesn't need to be marriage. It can be any kind of relationship. God is with us in that. So what is the purpose of relationships? What are they meant for? So here's what I would say. This just helps me to think about this, that God's intent for all human relationships of any type is to help us flourish and his design, and his purposes. Every human relationship, doesn't matter what kind, every human relationship is meant to help us flourish in his design and his purposes. That's what God's heart and intent is for. So if we were to go back to that scripture I read at the beginning, Hebrews 10, and let us consider how we might spur one another on towards love and good deeds. That's how do we help each other step into what God has for us? That's the purpose of every human relationship, whether we're talking about friendship among children or whether we're talking about a married couple who's been married for 70 years. My grandparents were married for 75 years. That's awesome. And, and we're, it doesn't matter whether we're talking about that or we're talking about a friendship when people are just meeting each other in the nursery here at the church. Every single relationship is designed so that we can step into God's purposes together. And the writer of Hebrews is kind of queuing in on that. Hey, don't give up meeting together. This is important. Encourage one another. Again, God's intent for all human relationship of any type is to help us flourish in his design and his purpose. God wants you to develop healthy relationships. God wants you to develop healthy relationships. That is his heart for you, that you would have people in your life that help you become more like Jesus. When we talk about like walking in God's purpose and design, that's what I'm talking about. That God's put you, God's put people in your path to help you walk to become more like Jesus. So we've talked about how flourishing in each one of these areas is about faithfulness and fruitfulness, right? So if we want to know what does it look like to flourish, we're talking about faithfulness and fruitfulness. So let's break that down. How does that, what does that look like in relational capital? We said that faithfulness in general is all about getting to know God, getting to know Jesus so we can hear his voice and do whatever he's asking of us in any situation. That's what faithfulness is in general. We unpacked that last week. Getting to know him so we can hear his voice and do whatever he's asking in any situation. What does that have to do with relationships? Well, here's the deal. The Bible, which is God's word, it's his voice to us, is packed full of wisdom for relationships. Full. Actually, the majority of stuff in the Bible has to do with how human beings relate to one another. 
you know, the prophets, for those of you who are familiar with the, with the, with the Bible, which is a, kind of represents the back half of your Old Testament, like, a lot of the things that those prophets were, like, saying, um, like, guys, like, bad things are going to happen to Israel is because they weren't navigating their relationships well. And then a lot of the, what we, what we think of as the Old Testament law is all about, like, living in right relationship with one another. A lot of the scripture is just basic instruction for how we ought to relate to one another. It's wisdom for navigating the complexity of human relationships. So think about this. Six out of ten commandments are about human relationships. Six out of the ten, the ten commandments, right? Everyone, if you've never been to church before in your whole life, you know, you've, you know probably what the ten commandments are. But six of them have to do with human relationships. Honor your parents. Right? Yes. Right? All the kids laughed, so I can, we can go, yeah. Um, uh, honoring your parents. That's a human relationship, right? Don't murder. That's good relationship advice. <laughs> like, don't murder people. This seems pretty basic. Adultery. Don't cheat on your spouse or sleep with someone else's. So this is important for governing how men and women are meant to relate to one another. Don't steal. Also important. Like, I mean, it's like, we take it for granted, but like, God thought, like, you guys really need to hear this. Like, you know? Like, you really need this instruction. Don't give false testimony. Don't lie about people. Why? Because relationships cannot be built on falsehood. A society doesn't work when, it, when there's lies circulating around. It just doesn't work. Don't covet. That means don't be jealous or envious or want what someone else has because that creates a root of bitterness inside of us. Do you see this? Six of the ten. Like God could have made those ten commandments, which are kind of the center of all of it, all about how we're supposed to worship. And there's lots in the Bible about that. But he says, no, this is really important. I want you to get these relationships right. Then if we fast forward to the New Testament and the Gospels, where Jesus comes on the scene and he's beginning to preach the good news of the kingdom. The very first gospel, the gospel of Matthew, records this special sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. It's the most famous sermon ever preached. It's one of the most quoted things in all of human history, is that Sermon on the Mount. And do you know that more than a third, almost half of the Sermon on the Mount has to do with human relationships? Isn't that crazy? It's like maybe God's like, hello, I have something I want you to pay attention to here. So he talks about, again, being faithful to your spouse in the Sermon of the Mount. He talks it and says, look, don't look at people lustfully. So he takes kind of what God said in the Old Testament about don't commit adultery and takes it another layer and says, look, when you look at people lustfully, it's actually as if you've committed adultery in your heart. So Jesus is aiming for an even deeper level of like human relationship. He talks about keeping your word. Don't make oaths. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, right? That sounds a lot like, hey, don't tell lies. This is like taking it up another notch. He talks about, hey, when someone comes and steals from you or hits you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. You guys know this, right? Like, don't seek retaliation because like, it doesn't work that way. Human relationships don't work that way. When someone has wronged you, Jesus says, go and fix it right away. In the middle of the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus is, talks, is talking about these relationships. He's like, look, if you're going to make an offering and you remember that someone has something against you, stop what you're doing, go and make it right. Guys, that's hugely important to God. If he would say, you know what, I want you to pause your worship 
and go fix the human relationship and then come back and worship. That's something we should pay attention to. He talks about not exploiting the poor and taking, uh, taking advantage of people. He talks about not judging other people. Do you see? This is a really big deal. And then in Matthew chapter 7, right in the middle of that Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, the golden rule as we know it. So in everything you do, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Isn't that crazy? One line. If you want to know how to do these human relationships, there's one thing you need to think about. Do to other people what you would have them do to you. So do you want someone to speak condescendingly to you? Probably not. So don't do it to other people, right? Like, do you want people to be gracious with you when you make mistakes? Yes, so you should probably be gracious to other people when they make mistakes. Do you want people to honor your boundaries and your values? If yes, then you should probably do that for other people. Do you see? Jesus was a genius, guys. Do you see? Like, he, he takes a wealth of wisdom, all of the Old Testament, and compacts it in this phrase to say, this is what you need to do. It's pretty simple. Don't do to other people what you wouldn't want done to you. It's really, it's really easy. Now, this sounds like a whole lot of do's and don'ts, right? Do this, don't do that. But the reality is the Bible has a lot to say about the character in our hearts, about becoming the kind of people who are able to function in healthy relationships. It's not just about do this and don't do that. It's actually about I want to grow you to become the kind of person who functions well in relationships. So the Bible, especially the New Testament, has a lot to say about us growing in gentleness, growing in humility, becoming slow to anger. These are not just do's and don'ts about how to navigate relationship. These are about how I can become the kind of person that has healthy relationships. Paul, the Apostle Paul says in one, of it, one place, he says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's some really good wisdom. I can't do anything about what, what Jen does, but as far as it depends on me, it's my responsibility to live at peace on her, peace with her. Does that make sense? Philippians chapter 2, incredible wisdom. If, you, if you're like, how do I navigate relationships? Go read Philippians chapter 2. It's one of the letters that Paul wrote. It's kind of in, in the middle of the New Testament if you're trying to find out where it's at. By the way, if you're new to reading scripture and you're like, I don't know where to find things in the Bible, every single Bible that you're gonna find at the very beginning is gonna have like the list of the books of the Bible and then page numbers. So like you don't need to be intimidated or scared by that. Like, so if you're like, hey, I'm just trying to figure this out, just go to the beginning of the Bible and then look and see what page number it pops up there and then you're gonna go to that, all right? So Philippians chapter two says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to like spell out what that actually looks like. But think about how relationships with people would be different if we were genuinely seeking the interests of others rather than our own in relationships. Think about how our relationships would be different if we thought about our relationships the way that Jesus thought about them. 
Think about how our relationships would be different if we had the character of Christ. What's the point in all that? I'm going to make a bold statement, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for this one. But I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, can you, I just have a little bit of freedom. Is that okay? Yeah? I have never, as a pastor, encountered one relationship problem that couldn't be fixed if both people in the relationship actually did what the Bible says. None. I've, I've yet to encounter one. Maybe one exists, but I've never sat down with a married couple and, be, and been like, I'm not saying there aren't other issues at play, but I have never sat down with a married couple and somewhere there wasn't a breakdown in Christ-likeness in the relationship. Like, I've never sat down with two people who were frustrating and angry with one another and there wasn't, like, it's some place of breakdown of, of Christ-likeness in the relationship. Maybe it was because of ignorance. They didn't know. They've not been taught. But, like, at some place in the relationship, there's a breakdown. So even something, guys, like communication, which is really, really important, if you want to learn how to communicate well with other people, it requires Christ-like humility to say, I want to learn how to communicate, right? Do you see what I mean? Like, if we back it up, now I'm not saying we just throw the Bible at every, at every relationship problem, but I am saying I have yet to encounter one where, where there are two people at odds with one another and the Bible doesn't have an answer for how to work it out. That doesn't mean it's easy. That doesn't mean it's easy. Because sometimes, let's be honest, like, I want what I want. I think I'm right. And you're wrong. Right? But, uh, listen, God's heart is for you to be a people of reconciliation. And to walk as peacemakers. Like, that is, that is who he says you are. Blessed are the peacemakers. That's how we are meant to walk. And so I know if God says it's possible, it is possible, right? Now, again, it takes two parties. So one person can be as Christ-like as they want, and the other person isn't doing that. It's not going to work. Do you see what I mean? But, but in every instance, if I, if I walk it back as I'm talking to someone, I'm like, you know what? There's a breakdown here. There's a breakdown. This is not what God's heart is for you and for your relationship. Every marriage, every marriage conversation I've had, every friendship conversation, it's somehow, we don't always see how we're not walking in Christ like this. This is why oftentimes we have friction in, in relationships. Uh, Jesus talks about in that Sermon on the Mount how we see kind of the, the plank like, or in, in someone else's eye, but like, you know what I mean? The, like, but we've got other, other issues. You know what I'm saying? Like, we see the speck in someone else's eye and we judge it, but we've got a plank in our eye, got it backwards. Because we don't often see our own failures. And we often don't see our own selfishness. We don't often don't see these things. So if we want to have a flourishing relational life, we have to learn God's heart so he knows, so we learn, okay, how might I, in this situation, be more like Jesus? How might I be more like Jesus? Sometimes that means that I have to be the first to offer forgiveness. Sometimes I'm the first to go and say, hey, did I do something wrong? Sometimes it means that I need to spend time praying about a situation before I bring it up with someone. 
And, 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 and I'm talking kind of in the negative as though relationships are a problem to fix. But sometimes it's just, how can I be a better friend to this person? How can I be a better husband to my wife? How can I be a better dad to my kids? How can I be a, a better, a better uh, partner in the community with people in the community? It's not all about fixing problems, but I want to lean in and hear God's word and hear what he has to say in any moment because that will help me. Uh, that is, that is your, should be your starting place. Now, let me, let me just say this, that sometimes when there is a challenge in relationships, Things are so complicated and such a tangled knot that we can't really sort it out with, with just me and the other person, that we need someone when it feels like we're at an impasse here. Like sometimes we need uh, another godly perspective to help us untangle the knot, which is why there are awesome counselors and therapists that can help you out with that, but also great godly elders and leaders around here. And Jesus has a very specific process in Matthew chapter 18 about how we're supposed to reconcile these relationships when, when things go sour and go sideways. Because he cares about your relationships more than you do. He cares about your relationships more than you do. And he knows that they're so important to your life that he's given you tons of stuff in his word to help shape and mold your thinking about it. As a matter of fact, let me say this. Again, just pastoral observation. I'm not saying this is biblical truth. I'm just saying this is pastoral observation. Almost every time I've seen someone start to make a faith commitment and move in the direction of God and say, God, I want to trust you more, one of the most common things that will happen is there'll be some breakdown in relationship. Because the enemy knows how important those relationships are too. And so it's his desire to make you feel isolated and alone and misunderstood. No one gets me. No one understands me. And make you feel like I, I, I can't trust people. Like I'm, I'm telling you, that is the enemy's desire for you, not God's desire. Do you see that? And, and I've seen this over and over again. And so it's helpful for me, actually, we just had a conversation about this in our household. When we see relational friction like that, then I got to take a step back and say, there is more going on here than just what's happening between me and this person. For those of you who have been believers for a while, you know this to be true, that behind the scenes there is spiritual warfare happening, that there is an enemy who does not want you to have these thriving relationships, these flourishing relationships. All right, moving on. Now, fruitfulness, we said last week and the week before, that fruitfulness, so there's faithfulness, that's leaning in and hearing what God has to say about relationship. Fruitfulness has to do what comes out of our life that's good for God, for ourselves, and others. Fruitfulness is what comes out of our life that's good for God, ourselves, and others. So how does that relate to what we're talking about tonight? One of the things I think that we should do is take a look at our life and ask ourselves this question. Am I functioning in my relationships in a way that helps others to flourish in God's design and purposes? So as God's placed me in different relationships, am I bringing to the table in this relationship something that will help these people that I'm in relationship with become, step more into God's design and purpose? We should be asking ourselves that question. 
because if we're walking faithfully with God in relationships, then the people around us should be growing healthier in relationships as well. They should be growing in their relationship with God. So it's a good thing just to take stock of this every once in a while and go, okay, God, are the people around me, the people that I do life with, are they growing in their relationship with you? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, talks about how we should only use our speech for building people up. Like, so if I was just to take a stock of, stock of my life and my conversations that I have with people, whether they're deep relationships I've had for a long time or passing relationships with people, like, am I building people up when I'm around them? Do you know how easy it is to talk about negative stuff? Like, think about how many times you're just talking about all that's wrong with the world and all that's, all that's difficult. It's just easier to talk about that stuff. But what if instead we kind of went into relationship thinking, how can I elevate this? How can I bring Jesus into this situation? How can I bring encouragement here? How can I want to be the kind of person that when someone walks for, away from a conversation, they're like, man, I just have more hope now. You know, I feel, I, I feel better about circumstances. Or, you know what, that person really listened to me. All week long, I felt completely ignored and passed by, but that person... They sat and they listened. Guys, you have no idea how much just listening to someone is so incredibly helpful. It, it goes so much further than you giving your advice all the time. Just like, just, hey, I'm here. Yeah, tell me more about it. Like, it's just, it's just so incredible. I, I, I dare you this week to try to encourage someone by just listening to someone. I dare you. You'll shock people. You will shock people. Now, a couple words about this. One, not all relationships are created equal. So it's not as if we're supposed to give the same amount of ourselves to every single person. That's kind of unhealthy. Like, and, and, we, and, and this is actually something I've had to work through in my own life, trying to figure out, like, how much of me do I give to this person and that person? Like, and so we're not supposed to hold all of our relationships in the, exact, in, the, in the exact same way. God created relationships, and they're all, I think, supposed to help us flourish, also help us, help us to walk in his design, but they all work in different. So my relationship with the barista that I see is different than the relationship with my spouse, right? Uh, hopefully. Yeah. And by C, I mean like buy coffee from. I just want to clarify. I don't want to be misinterpreted in that way. You know, there are relationships that you have, coworkers and stuff like that, and they don't have to be your best buds. Like, and that's okay. Like, there are going to be people in this church that like you just like, Hey, I'm so thankful that they're the family of God, but I'm never going to be best friends with that. Like, and that's okay. Like, but we do have to think about how does my interactions with that person help them to be walk in their design. That's it. It's just really, it's really simple. Again, you don't have to be best friends with everybody, but at minimum, we should be asking how we're helping these people around us to flourish. And then a second little kind of like caveat is that it's okay to have boundaries in our life. It's okay to say, I don't have anything else to give. Because uh, sometimes I feel like we, we feel the weight of like, we have to be everything for everybody all the time. Give it up. You're not. Jesus is. 
right? Like, so it's okay to not overgive because what you want is something left in the tank to actually give to the relationships you're supposed to be giving to. You can't give yourself in an unhealthy way that's kind of codependent, and I'll leave that to our counselors and therapists in the room to help you work through that stuff. That's not my territory. So we should be asking how we're helping others around us to grow and flourish in God's design. But also, I want to give you permission and, and, and encourage you to ask, like, how are my relationships helping me to flourish in God's design and purpose? So you should be asking, okay, so I'm giving myself to other people. I'm an, I need to be thinking about how are the relationships that I'm in, how are they helping me to walk in God's design and purposes? Proverbs 13.20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So we should be thinking about, are the people around me, are they helping me grow in wisdom? Are they helping me grow in my knowledge of who Jesus is? Are they helping me grow in my understanding of what God is like? And we should hope that those like, most important relationships are somehow benefiting us as we learn to walk in, in, in God's design. We should be thinking about, are the people that I'm spending time with, are they pushing me to become more like Jesus, or are they pulling me away? And again, I said this last week, this isn't like a cut people out of your life because they're not Christians kind of thing. That's not what I'm advocating. Do not hear that. Do not hear me say that. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is you should know who are the people in your life who are helping me become more like Jesus. Do you hear that? Who, who are those people? And if you don't have any, find them. Find them here. Like, God will put those people in your life. And if you don't have them, seek them out. Pray for them. I prayed for years for a mentor in my life. For years. Because I felt like I needed someone to pour into me and share wisdom with me that went ahead of me. And it took a long time for me to find that person. I'm so thankful that God answered that prayer. And I'm telling you, he will provide that for you too if you seek it out. Like, if you're like, hey, I need more godly friends, don't try to just make it happen. Pray for it. And then show up. Pray for it and show up. It, I'll, I'll, I'm going to wait. I'll come back to that in just a second. But we've got to be careful here too because sometimes when we ask this kind of question, we enter into relationships primarily thinking about what's in it for me and that can kind of be a selfish way to approach relationships. Does that make sense? Do you feel the tension in this? Like it, it's, it's a difficult kind of tension to navigate. So, so we have to be careful that when we enter into relationships, we're not just thinking about mm, what's in it for me. We should also be thinking, what do I have to offer this person? But it's also okay to, to evaluate, like, God, how am I growing in this relationship? What does this relationship mean to me? We can sometimes cancel people, like, and be like, push them out of their, push them out of our life because they don't quite fit the bill. And that's not God's heart either. That's not, that's not what he's looking for. Also, I think just so you know, sometimes relationships are just intended to be a little bit more one-sided than other relationships. And that's okay. I am the dad in, in my household. And there is a relationship where I know there's something asked of me in my house that's not asked of my kids. Do you see? 
As a pastor, when someone comes into my, to my office and wants to work through something or pray through something together, there's a little bit of a one-sided kind of relationship in that, in that moment. I don't throw all my junk at their feet. That's okay. You see what I mean? There are times where God calls you to walk alongside of somebody, and it's going to feel a little bit one-sided, and that's okay. You don't have to, like, worry about, like, oh, are the scales equal? Like, no, that's not, that's, like, sometimes that's just not going to happen. But we should be thinking about like that. We should be wise and discerning about that. We only have so much time. We only have so much relational bandwidth, so we have to be wise about where we're investing it. The most important thing in all of this is that we should be thinking about who are the few people in my life that are helping me become more like Jesus. And the last thing I would be thinking about here in the area of fruitfulness is, am I investing in people in a way that will help advance the kingdom of God? Because there's one thing just to have a personal investment that's good for me. It's another thing to invest in other people in a way that they help to serve the kingdom of God, that help to grow the things that God is doing in our church family. Remember, we talked about how at the very beginning that, that one of the ways the Bible talks about fruitfulness is about multiplication. And so we're called, as the people of God, to invest in others. It, just so you know, our heart and our intention as a church is that every person who is a follower of Jesus can help other people follow him. Every single person. We are, our intent is that we would be a disciple-making church. A disciple is a person who's learning how to become more like Jesus. And God has called you, whether you believe it right now or not, can think, can, you might not even perceive yourself of this way. But God has called you to help other people become more like him. And so we should be thinking about how am I helping others do that? Look, God has given you gifts and talents to pour in into this church family. And, and the people in this church family need you to do it. And not just like serving and doing stuff, but pouring into people. Clear your calendar for coffee with someone in this church. When is the last time you've had someone at your dinner table? Like, you see what I mean? When's the last time that you said, hey, can we just go grab coffee or can we go for a walk or, you know what I'm saying? Like, those are ways that we make simple investments with people, like, and we have to make sure that we're being aware that that's something that should be on our radar, that we should be doing. Mark, you can come on up. So am I investing in people in a way that will advance the kingdom? Now, we've talked about, like, when you're going to try to grow one of these capitals, like, what does it practically look like to grow in relational capital? Well, you use the other things that you have to grow in the one area that you feel like, mm, this needs some growth here, growth here. So, if you feel like, I feel like God is asking me to lean in and grow in my relationship, you start with spiritual capital. You start with your relationship with God. You begin to pray for those relationships in your life. You begin to ask God to bless those people in your life and then you begin to seek out restoration if there's, there's been any kind of difficulty or hardship. Like you pursue a spiritual solution. You start there. Start with prayer. Then we invest physical capital. Physical capital is all about our time and our energy. Like the reality is if you want to get to know someone, you have to spend time with someone. And you're going to have to give up your time if you want to grow in relationships. It's just the only way to do it. 
So you might just need to make sure that you're more present and available. You know, right now, I feel like my schedule is kind of ruling me right now. And I'm like looking at my schedule going, God, there's just not enough time for relationships in here. So I'm going to have to rearrange my schedule a little bit to give me more time to invest in the relationships that really matter to me so that I could be more physically present. You can invest intellectual capital in your relationships. So if you feel like, I don't know why, but I, I struggle in knowing how to communicate in relationships, it might be a good idea to read a book about that. It might be a good idea to, if, you're, if you feel like your marriage is, like you can't quite figure it out, to watch a, a Right Now Media video like that we've got free resource on our website that's gonna help you kind of grow on your understanding of what marriage is supposed to look like and learn some skills and some things. Like, you know, Jen and I have a, an, an incredible marriage relationship and it didn't happen by accident. We've invested time and money and energy and, and, and tried to learn how do we better communicate in those areas. Like, it doesn't just happen automatically. So you can learn things. You know, one of the biggest topics in all of the leadership conferences right now is something called emotional IQ or EQ, right? Right now, that is, that, for the last couple of years, that has been the biggest buzzword. It's like people know how to do the job, but they don't know how to function in relationships. And so businesses and CEOs of all kinds of companies go, how do we make people smart at relationships, right? So it is a good idea to say, how can I grow? How can I grow an understanding of myself? How, how can I understand how the inner workings of my mind? How many of you are like, I've been doing this my whole entire life and then someone somewhere pointed out something that helped me understand myself better, right? That's, a, that's, that's intellectual capital. You discovered some piece of information that helped you to be able to act on that so you can function healthier in relationships. And that's a really good thing. And then financial capital, it's like, man, maybe... You need to invest a little bit of your financial resources into growing in relationships. And it doesn't have to be anything crazy. We're not talking about buying your friends. Like, what does it look like for, I mean, you can do that too, but like, like what does it look like for you to say, hey, I would just love to drop off a gift. We have some people in this church, you, you have a gift of gift giving. And that's awesome. Like, you, maybe you're not the best at explaining. You maybe don't write eloquent letters, but like you think, I bet this would really bless this person, and you invest financial capital by going and buying a gift and drop it off to somebody. That's awesome. Maybe it's treating someone to dinner. Maybe it's going on trips together to like build deeper relationships with those people. Look, you're gonna have to invest some finances if you want your relationships to grow. There's just no other, no other way around it. Maybe it's somehow a marriage of, of financial capital and physical capital. Maybe you've got some skills that you can bring to the table and you can bless a friend like, hey, I know how to do that. Like, that is a one way, man, I remember the people who came to paint my house when, and when we moved into our house. And I remember the people who helped work on our patio when we were re redesigning our backyard. I remember those things. Like, that, that people just give what they have and those strengthen our relationships there doesn't have to be a ton of mystery. It just takes intentional investment. You see? Now here's where I want to end. I know that for many of you, there's hurt in relationships. There's fear in relationships. 
It feels overwhelming to try to step in. And I think that God might want to impart some peace to you and, and give you something that is something beyond yourself tonight. If you're willing to go to him, say, God, I need your help here. I need your help here. Because we can't do what God's called us to do as a church without healthy, strong relationships. We can't. We can't. It's actually one of the biggest strategies of the enemy to create weakness in a church family through division. It just, it just is. God's heart for you is that you would flourish in your, in your relationships. That you would have friendships that you know you can count on that you would have trustworthy relationships within the body of Christ. You have leaders that you can trust. You have a great marriage, that your relationship between you and your kids is really, really strong. This is God's heart. It's, that is his heart. And so I want to ask you, if you feel like, yeah, I, I think, I feel like this area is an area I really need some divine intervention in, divine intervention, to come and spend some time praying. And if you feel like you need someone to pray with you, we'll have a couple people here praying. If you feel like, gosh, I just don't know what next step to take, or maybe you feel like you need to have a hard conversation, maybe maybe you feel like you need to offer forgiveness or ask for forgiveness, you're feeling like, I just need some help here. This is the place to do that and, and kind of like connect with the Lord before you go back and do that kind of stuff. So I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna close this, and then I'm gonna invite you to come up and just come around here, get on your knees, and just pray. Sit down in a chair if you have to sit down in a chair. But just spend some time praying and talking to God about it. Don't leave here without doing some business with the Lord if he's pulling on your heartstrings about this tonight. And if you want to pray with somebody, we'll have a couple people standing in front. You just go right to those people. Otherwise, just go and sit down. No one's going to bother you. You can pray on your own, but I promise you, you will be better for it. If you leave here and you don't spend that time with God, it will leave. It, it will be out the door, I promise you. I'm being really, really firm on this because I believe that physical action is important when God is dealing with our heart with something. I really, really believe that. So take that step tonight. So Lord, I'm so thankful for my friends and I thank you, God, that you have deep, enduring friendships and relationships ahead of my people, ahead of your people, Lord. I believe that's what God's saying. I have deep and enduring relationships for my people. That's what God is saying. I have a flourishing life for you with deep friendships that you can trust. I have layers of vulnerability in your life that you've never experienced before that will set you free in joy. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that you will release those promises over your people right now, God. And I pray, Lord, that you will heal every hurt, God, every, anything that's standing in the way of people stepping into what you have for them relationally. God, deep friendships, deep marriages, deep relationship with their kids, brothers and sisters, siblings. I pray in the name of Jesus there would be a wave of healing relationships. I pray that this room would be full of people of restored relationships in Jesus' name. God, I know that you can do it. I know that's what your heart is. So would you do it, Lord? In your name, amen. Come up and pray, guys. Come up and pray.